Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we think again about the Bible on women and men, and we start with the correct understanding of what happened in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning. Today, we'll be hearing from Bruce C. E. Fleming, founder of the True 316 Project. He's a former academic dean and professor of practical theology. The foundation of the True 316 Project is based on the research of Dr. Joy Fleming, who wrote the book, Man and Woman in Biblical Unity, Theology from Genesis 2 to 3. Do you know what the 11 Hebrew words mean that God spoke to the woman in the Garden of Eden? Bruce and Joy put that and more in the Book of Eden, Genesis 2 to 3. We invite you to get a copy today and make sure you have a solid foundation for understanding the seven key passages on women and men in the Bible. It turns out when Genesis 3.16 becomes clear, all the other passages become clear too. You can learn more at our website, true316.com. That's tru316.com. And now enjoy today's episode of The Eden Podcast. Welcome to Season 6 on the Eden Podcast. A lot of people have been paying attention to the Eden Podcast, and a lot of episodes have been downloaded. In fact, we just passed the milestone of 30,000 downloads, which I think is great. And those downloads have come from 70 different countries, which is tremendous. So thank you so much for your part and doing that and spreading the word. Even though I'm really happy about season six, I'm also sad. I went out to lunch two weeks ago with a very good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, about 10 years older than me. We had a great lunch together, and we talked about the Eden podcast. We talked about the Book of Eden, and we talked about some of the projects that he's been involved in. His name is Dick. A week later, on Facebook, his son wrote this note. My best friend and dad passed away today. That was Dick. He was fine when we had lunch, and yet now he's with the Lord. The other day I was cleaning up something in a desk drawer, and I came across a yellowed piece of newspaper. It was a newspaper clipping. I read the back of it. It didn't mean anything to me. I flipped it over, and there was a picture of my dad. It was from the late 1990s, and it was his obituary. And he died, I'd forgotten this, when he was just one year older than I am now. Well, those two ideas have brought to mind for me Psalm 71. And in Psalm 71, we have a good message that I'd like to share with you as this is on my heart. Verse 17 and 18 from the New King James. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. And I praise God for his good word. Now, I'm not the only generation out here. There is a younger generation coming. We heard in the last episode of season five, our daughter, Christy, who is the announcer for the Eden podcast, and she and Kaylin were having a great time wrestling with the New Testament passages in the light of Genesis 3.16. In season six, we're going to go into the book of Eden, Genesis 2 and 3, 
and pick up the study guides at the end of each chapter. Now, these study guides were not written by me. They were written by a special person, and I'm going to introduce you to her in a second. And she's written three to five pages of study guides for each of our eight chapters on the Eden podcast. There are cross-references. There are quotes from the chapters. There are insights that Joanne Hegemeyer has put into the book that's made it really a rich resource. So, Joanne, would you say hello and introduce yourself? Hi, Bruce. And thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. And yeah, I think probably part of what defines me is having been involved with Bible Study Fellowship for about 30 years. Ten of those years I was a teaching leader, and another five I was an area advisor, and I learned how to not only study the Bible, but to write studies for the Bible. And when I started reading the work that you and your wife, Joy, wrote— I was transfixed. It was a way of reading the scriptures that I had not read before, and it answered a lot of questions that had developed for me over the years. And so I thought to myself as I was reading uh, your work on Genesis 2 and 3, I thought, you know, this would really be helpful as a Bible study for people so they could dig into the scriptures and see how true the true translation of Genesis 3.16 really is and how it changes everything. Well, the important thing about the Book of Eden is it's, it's Scripture. And everything we do is based on what's written from the Hebrew in Genesis 2 and 3. And that Hebrew research was done by my wife, Dr. Joy Fleming. Let me read to you the foreword of the Book of Eden. What really happened in the Garden of Eden? You mean the title of this is The Book of Eden? Yes, this book is all about Genesis 2, 4 to 3, 24, where we learn about what happened in the Garden of Eden back in the beginning. Genesis chapter 2 tells us about the creation of the human pair and God's design for marriage. Genesis chapter 3 tells us about the attack made on the couple by the serpent tempter and how each one responded. God judged the serpent tempter and the man who rebelled against him and imposed two curses. God also responded to the woman. She hadn't willfully rebelled as did the man, but she disobeyed God by eating the forbidden fruit as had the man. God didn't curse the woman or the man. Instead, God told the woman in line 1 of 316 about good news. She would have offspring who would vanquish her enemy. People have made up many myths and stories about what supposedly happened in Eden. They make it seem like God cursed the woman and that she somehow deserved it. She didn't. They make it seem like God instituted the man's bad behavior toward his wife. God didn't. The Bible tells us what really happened, and this book is all about what God really said, especially in Genesis 3.16. So let's go to the end of chapter one to the study guide, and I'll pick up at that point. Genesis 3.16 has been polluted. A major river caught fire in 1969. The source of the pollution came from upstream. It was found and corrected. The Clean Water Act was passed to fight further pollution. In the same way, Genesis 3.16 has been polluted. The True 3.16 project tru316.com, has been launched to clean up the word pollution of Genesis 3.16 and seven related passages. Here they are. Genesis chapter 2. 
Genesis chapter 3, Ephesians 5.15 to 6.9, 1 Timothy 2.8 to 3.13, 1 Corinthians 11, 2 to 16, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 to 40, and 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 7. So now we come to exercise number one. Joanne, would you take us from this point on? Thanks, Bruce. I would love to talk about these different passages. Uh, We have a Bible study group right now, a group of women who are kind of beta testing these questions with me. And our first session was really just talking about these seven passages and trying to figure out all the things that we've been taught, that we've heard, that inform how we see these passages before we get into the study. So the first one we tackled was Genesis 2. And I think what bubbled up out of that passage for women was that we'd been created to be helpers, that our job is to help men in their endeavors. And we're made from their side. So in that way, we're, we're humans, just like men. But our role is different. Our role is helper. And We talked about how in marriage, the man and the woman seemed completely delighted with each other, and they were at the apex of the human experience because they were naked and unashamed, and they were in intimate union not only with each other, but with creation, with all that God had given them dominion over, but we really saw the man as having the dominion and the woman as the helper, and then they were in intimate relationship And so the way that relates back to Genesis 3.16 is that somehow that relationship got really terribly twisted. So we moved on to Genesis 3. That was the next passage to move to. And there we saw really a terrible story for women. All that we've been taught about this chapter is that women are deceivers, they're temptresses, they're seductresses. They're the ones that listened to the serpent. They not only uh, came under the serpent's deception, but then they turned around and enticed the man to enter into their sin with them. And that the man really was sort of the innocent victim, the innocent bystander of this whole situation. And that uh, when God came and asked what had happened, The man rightfully blamed the woman. She was the wrong one in the whole situation, uh, not the serpent. And that the woman, because she had done this terrible wrong thing, she's the one that God really brought down the heavy curses on. She was going to have terrible pain in childbirth. And uh, because of her way with the man being a seductress and so on, that he was going to have to rule over her, that that's something that the man rightfully needed to do. Then we moved on to Ephesians 5, and that seemed an easy flow. That's about marriage, about this relationship that had been so broken. And in this chapter, really what we've been taught as women, the whole point of it is that to the woman really needs to see herself as in submission to her husband, that that's his rightful rule as God had established in Genesis 3.16, that she needs to be obedient to him. She needs to listen to him. He's the head of her. He's not only the boss of her, but he's over her in because he's a man and she's a woman. And so we really talked about, yes, he is supposed to sacrificially love her, but in ways that preserve his role as her boss, basically. And then we moved on to 1 Timothy 1 through 3. And again, we know this goes back to women in chapter 3 of Genesis 
We know that this has to do with women basically not being able to be leaders. They're not eligible to be leaders because they're women and they were deceived and man was not deceived. And so men should have the authority, not women. And uh, we'll find our place, our role in life and in the church as well as wives and mothers. Um, We talked a little bit about how hard that would be for women who remain single or women who are married but don't have children. But that it has been how the chapter was taught to us anyway. Chapter three of Timothy, but really those first three chapters. After that, we moved on to the Corinthians passages. In 1 Corinthians 11, again, we're seeing how women are supposed to take on a cultural femininity. Women are one step removed from God. Men are the perfect image of God, women less so. There's sort of a pecking order, we think. There's a hierarchy, God to Christ, to man, to woman. And uh, we also saw this as women once again being shown that we're the glory of the man. We're supposed to be pointing to the man. And the First Corinthians 14 passage also seems to be saying that, that women are not supposed to be talking in the service. We're supposed to wait till we can go home to our husbands and let him explain things to us. And this all goes back to Genesis 3.16, that we've been taught women are to be at home. They're going to have childbearing. This is our purpose, I guess, and that the men are the ones who are in charge and in authority, and rightfully so, because we were deceived and we're temptresses. And finally, we get to 1 Peter 3, which is another marriage chapter. And again, we've been taught that our beauty is to be seen in meekness and submissiveness, um, really quietness, uh, supportiveness, obedience, really, uh, that men, yes, are supposed to remember that, that we're in a weaker position in the marriage, but also we're just weaker. We're easily deceived. We're not as capable. And so they need to keep that in mind as they lead us and have authority over us. You sound just exactly like all the people did in the church when I was growing up. (laughs) So I've heard this many times. How many churches have heard this many times on the radio, in books, everywhere? What you just said is what people have been saying as found in these passages, and actually they're all wrong. So when we go back to Genesis 3.16 and we find that God did not curse Eve or Adam or limit woman in any way. We say, well, wait a minute. Are you really, is that true? Is that, is that what's going on? And so what we're going to need to do in the next episodes that are coming up is we're going to take a close look at what happened in Genesis 3.16, according to the Hebrew. And then we're going to go back into Genesis chapter 2 and look at it again in the light of the true 3.16. We're going to go back into chapter 3, and we're going to work through that. And each chapter in the book of Eden takes us through another portion, the next section in uh, Genesis 2 and 3. And when we get done, we're going to find that we have a solid, beautiful, clear set of good news passages. And from that, then, we can start looking at the New Testament passages. I want to warn people, though, don't start cross-referencing New Testament passages back into these chapters in Genesis. We want to let the Bible, in its own order and in its own progression, tell us what it wants to tell us. And then as we get that clear, then we can work our way later on into the following passages. 
What else would you like to add, Joanne? So thank you for asking me uh, that question. The women, as we went through these passages, were feeling sort of angry that these passages have been read in that way. There's a sense that this can't possibly be right. We know many smart women who are capable of all kinds of things. And it seems strange to us that God would have this kind of two-tier system. And so we also kind of made a pact with each other as we felt our anger and our frustration and our confusion that we're going to show grace to ourselves and also grace to others because we've been taught these things. We've been trying to live them out. We've been trying to do them as best we can because we just, that's all we know. And so we want to show grace to ourselves that we did the best we could. We also want to show grace to the others, that the way they've taught these passages, men especially, the way they've lived out these passages, they're doing the best they can too. That's what they've been taught as well. And so the mistranslation and the misunderstanding of these seven passages has caused a lot of harm. And we want to show grace to each other as we learn the right way, the true way, the so much better way of reading these scriptures. Thanks, Joanne. And I thank you as, listen, as the listener. And I'm looking forward to our next milestone of 50,000 and 100,000 downloads. Our goal of the True 316 Project is, one, to educate ourselves. Two, enjoy what the scripture says. But three is to get the attention of the translators out there so that they will true the verse and they will clean out this idea that somehow God cursed Eve. So that's our prayer request. That's our goal. And there's much more that we're trying to do in the background. Right now, though, the number one thing is the Eden podcast. And if you can share this podcast with another, that's a great, great thing. You can go to this website, theedenpodcast.com, and find links to any one of multiple uh, players that you can listen to and follow along. And then again, get yourself a copy of The Book of Eden so that you can follow us through. And ideally, you'll have two books, you and a study uh, partner, and you can mark up the book and follow along as, as we go through this passage. Thanks a lot, Joanne. We appreciate it. And we'll come back next episode for our adventures in Eden. Thanks for listening to the Eden Podcast. Do you have your own copy of The Book of Eden, Genesis 2-3, to and our other books on the seven key passages on women and men in the Bible? Visit our website at true316.com. Do you want to go deeper? You're invited to enroll in the current study unit of True School. Take a look. Go to true316.com slash school.